Where's Your Head At? A podcast turning mental health into a conversation. Brought to you by the Bauer Media Group. Hello and welcome to the Where's Your Head At? podcast. I'm Andrea Zara. Where's Your Head At? is a joint collaboration between Bauer Media, Natasha Devon MBE and Mental Health First Aid England. We launched this campaign in 2018, petitioning for a change in law for better mental health provisions in workplaces and colleges across the UK. A part of this is also making mental health an everyday conversation. In this episode, we're joined by Alex George, also known as Dr. Alex from Love Island 2018. Since the show finished, though, Alex has gone back to being an A&E doctor and has also been using his fame to highlight physical and mental health issues he feels most strongly about. Alex suffers with anxiety, which he says goes back to his days of med school, and he was triggered again by the sudden notoriety and life changes after coming off of Love Island. Alex starts this conversation by sharing his perspective on mental health. I look at mental health uh, that we all have a HP bar of maybe, if you look at, think of it almost like a games console, um, 100% is like perfect mental health. In their life, it goes up and down depending on what's happening, uh, outside external factors and also internal factors as well. And of course, there's been times in my life where things may have happened that I felt maybe worse than other times. I can remember being at uh, med school in my last year when um, I was in a place where I was quite isolated on my own and I got quite lonely and actually I almost kind of started feeling a bit depressed Uh, and thankfully I had a good family and network of friends around me that helped me and I felt much better and got through it and you know there's other times I felt really absolutely fine. After the show I definitely had a kind of mixed feelings of mental health. I think um, generally very happy, but I do get a little bit of anxiety, especially if I go into like really busy environments maybe where I don't have control. Um, so maybe if I'm in a really busy pub and everyone's drunk, that sometimes can make me feel a bit uncomfortable. Uh, but I'm very fortunate, I think. Um, I'm very aware of my own um, headspace and when I'm feeling good and when I'm not. And I think I try and incorporate different factors to keep my mental health healthy. There has been a lot of focus recently on reality TV shows and and in particular Love Island. How have you dealt with sudden fame coming out and being suddenly known by millions and millions of people? When you look at kind of risk factors for um, problems with mental health, one of the things you look at is big life changes, like whether it's family dynamics, whether it's getting a job, losing a job, uh, changes in relationship, but also massive shifts in what your life is. And coming out of a reality TV show like that is a big change. Um, most of it's vastly positive, but it takes a lot of getting used to. It's a big shake-up. And you know, I am aware that there's always that risk that can affect your mental health. And I feel very open that if I need help, I'll ask for it. Because of a lot of things that happened on Love Island, I've had some therapy and also even after the show, getting used to everything. As much as that, not because I'm not happy, but I am aware that I've experienced different things that I need to process. And that's normal. I think sometimes we, we worry so much about what it means to ask for help or what it means to try and process things, that there must be something wrong. Actually, a lot of times in life, things happen to us, some things that are good, some things that are bad, and we need to process them. I think that's a part of of normal life. So yeah, that's why I asked to have some therapy and and I find it very useful. In fact, I had therapy this morning, which is great. Um, I think it's just great to be able to just talk about anything Mm. with someone who's completely objective. You go and then complain about everyone and then walk out and no one knows that you've done it. Excellent. (laughs) 
Why do you think, I mean, I guess it's kind of leading on though, why is it so important to be more open about mm. mental health? I always say um, it's funny how in society, if you have a cough or a cold, you know, if any of us here in the room is feeling a little bit well, we'll go straight down to the GP and go, oh, I've got a bit of a cough. Um, but if we're feeling that mentally we're not so good, we'll wait until we're absolutely crippled and depressed before we'll even admit there's something wrong. And that's just not right. You know, mental health and physical health shouldn't be um, valued or criticised differently in terms of if you need help or not, basically. I do always think it is a great shame when I'm in A&E and um, sometimes you get patients coming in who have taken overdoses or whatever and you ask them, you know, have you seen someone along the way? And when they say, I haven't asked for help, I haven't seen someone, I always think that's a real failure in society actually because it's so sad that person couldn't ask for help. And that's why it is so important that campaigns like this raise awareness normalise it, not just reality TV. Every 90 seconds someone makes an emergency call to Samaritans and asks for help. It's uh, something that affects all uh, demographics and whether you're on TV or not, it's just the fact that we're on TV means that we can talk about it and that's good. Mm, definitely. What would you say has a positive impact on your mental health? I think the most important thing for my mental health is people around me, my family, my friends. Um, they are my rocks, they're my support structure. Um, they are always looking out for me no matter what and they're the first people I'd turn to to talk to if I needed help. Um, sometimes you want to speak to someone and for whatever reason your friends and family aren't the ideal people to speak to or maybe um, you're not as close with them, you know, that's why it's so important to have other support structures surrounding um, and there obviously are some fantastic um, organisations such as Samaritans who I work closely with, The Calm, The Mix, Young Minds even, who are there to support people when you want to talk to someone but your friends and family aren't, aren't the ideal people to talk to. And what about um, what might have a negative impact? Social media does have kind of, you know, it's yin and yang, it's like a positive and negative but in terms of mental health, I think it does—it is, can be quite damaging for young people. Uh, we've got to be very careful that we are, you know, portraying the right messages. That, you know, life isn't perfect. There are ups and downs. You know, the perfect picture, the perfect moment is—it doesn't really exist. I think, and 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 I think, especially if you, when you're young, when you're growing, you're learning what the world is, it can be very dangerous. Do you think there's enough being done to make this point? I think only now we're really starting to do something really about the social media issue with regards to mental health. Um, I think a lot more could be done. A big problem is likes. I think if you look at uh, what, however you want to talk about it, whether it's Instagram or and obviously the other platforms as well, uh, likes or gratification by approval of, of pictures and things is, I think, a really negative thing. Um, a, for the person who's posting because you feel like that is like a direct valuation of the quality of the content you're showing. And also on the flip side, other people are being subliminally told that certain pictures are valuable. So a picture that is in a bikini picture of a perfect body is valued at 80,000 likes, but another one shouldn't deserve such likes. I think it's such a dangerous space. Um, and I know there's talk of, of changing that and actually having or removing the like system, particularly for under 18s. So there is obviously a lot of pressure with social media now and you can go on someone's Instagram and it looks like they just have the best life, great mm. friends, always on holiday, lots of money, but actually in reality things are, could be, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. What effect has social media had on you and your mental health? So social media for me, I found quite difficult to get used to. Um, before Love Island, I had like 200 followers on Instagram, didn't really care about social media at all. After the show, yeah, I've had this you know, amazing platform that I can talk to followers about um, my interests, particularly around health um, and well-being. You know, so stuff that I'm really passionate about, and that's been really positive, and I've really enjoyed that. But on the flip side, 
dealing with trolls, dealing with negative comments. Sometimes when you put stuff out that you're really passionate about and people don't really care about, it does it, it can hurt. So I've definitely had a bit of an up-down relationship with social media. I have learned basically that the best thing you can do is post what you believe in, put out what you believe in and just go, do you know what? This matters to me and whatever people think, I believe in it. Whatever you put out, don't value um, the quality of that on people's likes and things like that. Just basically do what you want to do and, and be proud of it. Has it taken you a while to get to, to this stage where you can say, this yeah. is how I deal with it? Yeah, it has taken me a while. And actually, I put my hands up and say, I've put stuff out before and gone, no one's really liked it. Do you know what, bugger it, I'll delete it. And actually, that's the worst thing to do. And I think back and go, why did I even get sucked into it? I'm almost, almost ashamed to think that I got pulled into that. But actually, it happens to all of us. We're all far too obsessed with um, you know, likes and comments and people's engagement on it. Just post when you want to post, post what you want to post, and forget what everyone else thinks. So can you talk us through the picture that you've told us about? You posted yeah. on Instagram where you know, it looks like you're, you're looking yeah, amazing, yeah. you're happy, you're confident, but actually it was a bit of a different story. So just before Christmas I posted a picture before going back to Wales from London of uh, me collecting a sports car to go home for Christmas with for a week. I was very lucky to land the car and I was so excited. I took this picture at the time when I picked up the car and I looked so really happy in the picture and I was so I looked really chuffed with the car. Um, but actually that day I was having a terrible day because my, um, I'm renovating a flat and everything's kind of going, going wrong with a the flat. Um, there was loads more money needed to be poured into the, into the flat to get it done. The flat should have been done before Christmas and there's still months to go. And to be honest, I was just having a rubbish day. I should have been enjoying that car, driving home to Wales. And I took the picture that would match with what those expectations of really what that day should have been. But in reality, I was having a rubbish day and I was in a terrible mood all the way home. So why did you post it then? I posted it because I... I wanted to show people, look, I'm having a great time, I'm out with a car, it's my passion, as a lot of people who follow me on Instagram will know. So, yeah, it's just a perfect example that yeah, you look at that picture and think, look at that big grin, he's absolutely chuffed, he's got a sports car, he's living his best life, whatever. But actually, I wasn't even having a good day. So what pressures did you feel at the time to post it? And afterwards, when you posted it, did you feel pressure around that? It, there is pressure sometimes to kind of keep up appearances and to show and, and be a certain way. But... I was still learning, I was not long out of the island, I was still kind of learning how to deal with social media. And now, to be honest, I go some days, three or four days at a time where I don't post anything. I just think, I'm not doing anything particularly exciting or interesting, I'm just chilling out, doing my own thing these next few days, and I just step back. Other times when I'm passionate about something, like I've, I've done a health project, talking about my podcast or something, I'm like, yeah, put it out there, because I'm not posting it to generate likes or engagement with people or try and build up my followers. I'm just doing it because this is something I want people to see. Do you think that, you know, thinking of, of who else was in the villa with you uh, last year, do you think that anyone feels that they've got more of an image to maintain? I mean, how, how do you think everyone's coping, really, with that kind of, the, the character that you maybe were edited to become when you came out the villa, etc.? Love Island um, is created as an aspirational show. Um, it was created to kind of show romance, you know, the highs and lows, but really show everyone kind of having a great time in a beautiful villa. And coming out of the show, you're expected to live this high life, uh, flying around the world, doing club PAs and all this stuff. And there is pressure, I think, on people to keep up appearances. Um, for me, I instantly kind of stepped away consciously when I walked away from the villa from that. I've never done a club PA. I knew I wanted to go back to work. I knew I wanted to focus on the health projects, and that did help me. I think that has helped me 
with um, social media, but it brings its own pressures in different ways. So um, there's so much good that can be done, you know, the fact that we can talk about this. I, I feel like you can talk directly to people, you can discuss important topics, whatever it may be. So yeah, I don't think it's all bad. It's just, at the end of the day, it's humans using an app. We need to learn to use that app uh, in a safe way and also learn when to put it down as well. Do you think social platforms need to do more to combat trolling? I do think social platforms need to do more about trolling because it can cause such damage. I mean, whether you've got a million followers or you've got one follower, at the end of the day, you're a human being with a at the end of a phone, you know, and that can be so damaging and people are always attacking you. I've actually developed quite a tough skin. Um, people can write what they want largely and I'll just be like, you know, whatever, because I am so focused on what I'm doing, what I believe is right and what I value. But certainly when you're vulnerable, as maybe I was when I came out of the island, it can, it can really hit you. And it's not just about people on TV. Even if you've got 20, 30 followers, if people write nasty things about you or they ignore you or they attack your beliefs, then it can be, it can be really upsetting and it can, you know, it's bullying in, in a certain form. So I think platforms can do a lot more, um, particularly some such as Twitter, I think, could do a huge amount more. And is there more that society could do, can do as a whole to support those with mental illness? I think the biggest thing we need to do as a society is to focus on education. At schools we teach about all sorts of ranges of subjects, um, but we don't actually teach a lot about how to uh, maintain mental well-being and mental health, which surely is actually the most important thing, aside from physical health, that we can do. If we are m uh, mentally fit, we're mentally resilient, uh, and we know how to... Um, identify mental problems and what to do if we do have mental health problems then we're going to generate a society of happier people and more productive people as well so education i think is the most important thing that we need to focus on at the moment thank you for that dr alex i really enjoyed your take on how important it is just to keep your mental health healthy just as you would your physical health in the next episode we are joined by james arthur someone who has been very open about his struggles with mental health who has had a rocky ride with social media and is one of our most successful male recording artists in the UK. If you've enjoyed this podcast, found it enlightening, reassuring and interesting, or if it's just talking about a subject matter that's close to your heart, please do rate us and subscribe. In the meantime, I'm Andrea Zara. Be kind to others, but most importantly, to yourself. And remember, it's good to talk. Where's your head at? A podcast turning mental health into a conversation. Brought to you by the Bauer Media Group.